Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Last week, I started reading a chapter from my book, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child. If you haven't heard that one, you might want to listen to it before listening to this episode because I'm going to start where I left off. And that is episode 166. It's titled, Resting in God Within the Struggle of Deep Grief. At the end of last week's talk, I said there were times I wanted to jump in while reading and share some thoughts and insights I've had since the book was written. And by the way, the reason I decided to read from my book was because it's the sixth year anniversary of it becoming available. So I'm going to finish out the chapter, and then I'm going to go back and share some of those extra thoughts about what I read last week and in today's episode. So here we go. I'm going to back up just a little bit. This is not to say at some point I got it all figured out and now continually live from a place of rest. You see, what I have not shared with you yet is the other domino effect of Becca's death. Because of Becca's severe heart illness, my son-in-law and I had 10 years to grow an unusually close and loving relationship. But upon finding himself a widower, he admits he did pretty much everything they say not to do in the early period of grieving. Within weeks, he got rid of their dog and moved out of their house, and within a few short months, he started dating. As mom, I was having a hard time watching these things happen, and a couple of times I tried to share with him some of my concerns. This caused him to put up a wall between us. Apparently, at the same time, my nine-year-old granddaughter, who was having a difficult time with all these changes, would say things to him like, "'You're a bad dad.'" I guess he most often heard that when taking her home from spending time with us, but we were not aware of this. He assumed we were feeding this idea to her, and one day I received a message saying they were pulling out of our lives and we would not be seeing him or our granddaughter anymore. He refused to talk to us to work anything out and made it very clear that we were to leave them completely alone with no contact whatsoever. The pain was almost more than I could bear. Our granddaughter was an incredible blessing left behind by our daughter, a connection to her still on earth and our legacy. We needed her and she needed us. We began to learn that this is a somewhat common reaction to the in-laws when someone loses a spouse. I guess maybe they just want to move on with their lives and staying in relationship with the previous in-laws makes them feel like they won't be able to do that. We found out our state actually has a law against this very thing because it is such a common problem. We did not want to have to hire a lawyer to see our granddaughter. We wanted it done scripturally by sitting down with each other and working it out. We would let a few months go by and then try to contact him, including when her birthday came around. But he would get angry with us, making it clear he wanted nothing to do with us and refusing to allow us to see his daughter. We found out at times he was tossing Becca's things. The pain of knowing there were specific items of my daughter's that I wanted, which now meant nothing to him, was enough to make me sob for hours. I just kept trying to tell myself it's just stuff, but that only helped a little bit. After almost a year of this, 
Dave sat down and wrote him a letter explaining how we were still her grandparents, how the law was on our side, and if he would not sit down and talk with us, we were willing to do so with his pastor present, we would enforce our legal rights. A few days before the given deadline, he agreed to meet with us along with his new wife and their pastor to at least talk about what had happened. God graciously entered that meeting, and we were able to forgive each other and open up the needed communication to start spending time with our granddaughter again. During this time, God gave me many reminders to rest in Him and His ways. It was a hard thing to do because I could not see any light in my darkness or understand why God was allowing so much intense pain. He would share His reminders to just be and rest in Him in so many different ways. He would remind me to take a breath and breathe in His love and peace. He never sugarcoated anything, but would acknowledge how difficult and steep my climb was, telling me to cling tightly to His hand, reminding me to look at Him whenever my circumstances overwhelmed me. Anytime I felt like I was sinking under the swirling waters, I could call out, Lord, save me, just like Peter did in Matthew 14. And somehow Jesus always reached through the storm and pulled me up out of the drowning sea of emotions into his secure arms. He knew how weak and helpless I was, and he never tired of meeting me in my place of need. Looking back, I see now how each time he would free me from a few more of my shackles, even though most of the time I could not feel it. Not only would he hold me, but he would encourage me to relax in the awareness of his presence. Some of my most precious times with the Lord were in my greatest times of weakness, just letting everything go and melting into his peace, love, and compassion. During one of those times, I wrote in the margins of a devotional book I was reading, Thank you. You know how utterly horrible the last two days have been with total silence about seeing my granddaughter for her birthday. I wish God would just speak a command and make it all better, taking away the pain and replacing it with constant peace and rest. But it hasn't happened that way. Learning how to live in that place has been a process. Here's another journal entry. I realized this morning with tears that while I have learned to accept the trials of this life, I have not gotten to the place where I can say I embrace them and love being broken because of the good that has come of it in my life. Holy Spirit, help me to get to that point. Show me what are the incredible good things that have happened because of all these trials in times of deep brokenness. At that point, I wrote a list of 18 things that God has been able to work in me through the darkness, such as being a lot more non-judgmental, being broken, seeing the love and grace of God in a deep way, becoming free of what man thinks of me, enjoying being in his presence, just resting and letting him love on me, learning it's okay to be broken and to be a Christian and a leader, etc. Here's another journal entry. This morning, I just had to get to my prayer room, and there's been such a sweetness of wanting to be here with him. I finally put my finger on it. It is the contentment of surrender. I almost feel guilty for not being agitated or in some sort of emotional pain, but there's such a peace 
and contentment, very unnatural, and yet it should be natural, and I pray it has become a natural part of my life. I was just thinking that I am truly starting to learn to live from the spiritual part of my being, Christ in me and I in him, and not out of my emotions or flesh. I always thought I did pretty good at that, but I think the difference is walking in obedience and actually living it by tapping into who God is in me. Let me say here, though, that the pain is still pretty intense at times, and I can feel like I'm going backwards as I lose that peace and the place of rest I am fighting to keep. For instance, during the writing of this book, my son-in-law dropped off four plastic tubs on our front porch. They were full of things he no longer wanted taking up space in his garage. Two bins held Becca's collection of snow buddies she put out every Christmas. One had all of her cassette tapes and CDs, and one contained lots of odds and ends, such as medical items used during her last year and a half of life, and some beautiful photo scrapbooks Becca spent hours on, including her wedding album and one of our granddaughter's birth and first few years of life. But the thing that left me in a crying mess for the next few days was when I discovered her wedding dress smashed in the bottom of that bin. My heart still hurts thinking about it. It felt so cruel, so careless, like she was no longer wanted or to be remembered. My daughter's life has been reduced to four plastic bins, I thought. Instead of allowing myself to go in that direction, I told myself the truth. Her life was much bigger than these four bins. However, it was another door of finality I had to painfully work through and once again make a conscious decision to rest in who God is within the circumstance. It's now been well over three years since Becca graduated to her eternal home ahead of me, and the Holy Spirit is still teaching me how to stay in that place of rest. I wish I could say being rooted in a place of rest is now a way of life, but the truth is I'm not there yet. I am still in the process. One thing I am learning is that peace and pain can both reside in us at the same time. The pain of losing our child seems always to be there. As a parent dealing with the death of your child, I think you will understand what I mean when I say even if I'm not emotionally feeling the pain at the moment, it is still there. It's almost like a physical chronic pain. There are times you are so used to having the pain you don't even realize you're feeling it. Whether I notice the pain or not, an underlying peace seems to travel side by side with my pain. It is definitely the peace of God that goes beyond any understanding, and I am so thankful that he offers it to us and gives it freely. Now, I have one last paragraph to read, but I'm going to save that for a little while, and I am going to go back and just share about a few things, maybe some updates and a few thoughts I had while reading this, because like I said, I wrote, I wrote this book six years ago. Well, actually, I wrote it seven years ago. It came out six years ago, and I started writing it even before that. But even just a thought I had while I was just now reading, it seems very strange to call Nick my son-in-law with Becca gone. I mean, what do I call him? That's just one of those awkward things that I know some of you deal with, especially now that he's remarried. We do see him on rare occasions, 
but I guess he'll always be my son-in-law, even though his life has moved on, he'll always be my son-in-law. And another thing is I know that some of you also, I hear from you about how difficult it is because you also face that issue of not being able to see your grandchildren. And I know, believe me, I know how blessed I am that we were able to resolve that. And that was because of the law in the books in Wisconsin. And I know many of you, you don't have that law. And I'm so sorry. It is such a common issue and it adds to the pain so deeply when your grandchildren have been taken from you and it might be years and years before you can have contact with them. And I don't know right now, I just picture some of you even crying about that. And Lord, I just pray that you would ease the hurt and the pain of those who are not allowed to see their grandchildren and, and Lord, somehow comfort and ease the pain of those who never got to have grandchildren from their child. Lord, we're all so hurting from this. It's such an evil, ugly thing. And Lord, I just pray that right now you would come in and give comfort and peace to those who are just uh, in so much pain with this grandchild issue, no matter what direction it goes, Lord. And I thank you for sitting with us in this pain and being with us and crying with us and hurting with us, Lord, and just holding us. Lord, let people feel your presence right now. Just holding them as they cry and as they hurt. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, that was unexpected. <laughs> so anyway, those are a couple of thoughts I had on on that just now while I was reading. Now, back in last week's, I read the verses Romans 8, 38 and 39. And that is the scripture that says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is a verse that most of us have been familiar with for many years before our child died. And we would tell ourselves this. It would be, yes, amen, nothing can ever separate me. Nothing can separate me from God's love. And yet, so many of us now feel separated from God's love, don't we? But I want to remind you, not only did we come into agreement that death cannot separate us from God's love, but that we also would agree with this scripture when it says that things present or things to come can separate us from God's love. And we had no idea that things to come included the death of our child. But I want to remind you, this verse is just as true now as it was before your child died. Nothing can separate you from his love. And tell yourself that, whether you believe it or not, tell yourself that, not based on how you feel, but based on the truth. You believed it once and you can believe it again because it is true. Nothing, nothing can separate you from God's love. We can separate ourselves and we can feel and our emotions can lie and tell us something different. But the truth is nothing, including the death of your child, can separate you from God's love. I talked about how brokenness is a gift that allows us to experience the depth of God's love. And this reminds me of a little book I have about God's favor. And in it, he talks about 
a lot of times we think that having God's favor means blessings. You know, we have a nice big house. We have a good job. You know, our children are a blessing from God. And we think about the blessings. Yes, I got to get the boat I wanted, or I always wanted a motorcycle, and now I have a motorcycle, or, you know, I just got my yard redone. We think of the blessings from God as good things, material things. And this book talks about that maybe that's not what the God's blessings are. I mean, they are God's blessings, but that's not what shows us that we have God's favor and his love. But maybe God's favor means that we get to intimately know him. Having God's favor is to know him in a more intimate way and to get to know him more and more and more in his love and in his goodness and in his faithfulness. And some of you may be bristling hearing me say that, but as you work your way through this darkness, as God walks with you through this, you know, Psalm 23 calls it the valley of a shadow of death. And I say, I don't even feel like it's a a shadow. It's just a valley of death. I don't see a shadow. I just saw plain suffocating darkness that was even hard to breathe sometimes. I know some, we, we bristle at the thought of having God's favor is, is knowing him intimately. But the thing is, there's a a scripture that says to know God, how we want to know him in his resurrection power, but it also says, and to know him in his sufferings. And we get all excited about that resurrection power. Yes, we want to know him in his power, in his resurrection power, but we don't want to know him in his sufferings. And that's when we really get to know God the most, is when we can relate to the suffering that Jesus died for us, the suffering that God the Father watched his son be brutally tortured and murdered in a very painful way. And we can relate to God's suffering and the price he paid for us and for our children to uh, be free of our sin, to be free of the grasp of the devil, of the enemy, that death is not the final word. Where, oh, death is your sting? Where is your victory? I can tell you where the sting is, but the thing is, it's not for now. We will get to a point where there will be victory over death and there will not be a sting in the death of our child because we'll be with them together forever. And that's the price that Jesus paid. That's the price that God the Father paid through his son Jesus so that we could be free of the things of this world. We don't have to live out the rest of our lives in the darkness, in the suffocating darkness that the death of our child put us in. You can come out. You will come out if you keep, this is one of those keys, surrendering to enter into that place of rest and to fight for it. Isn't that strange? We have to fight to come to a place of rest, but we do, and it's so worth it. So anyway, that whole brokenness is a gift that allows us to experience the depth of his love in a way that most people will not get to experience. And I know we have to go through the pain first. So did Jesus. He had to go through incredible pain. Remember him praying in the garden, sweating drops of blood, begging God, please take this cup from me. But if there's no other way, your will be done. So coming to that place of surrender of brokenness, Lord, I just surrender my brokenness and my pain to you. Help. That's sometimes all we can do is say help. 
The next one I want to look at is when I talked about not feeling strong, that I used to love a busy life, but I don't have the energy I used to have. I'll tell you, I was one who I thrived on busyness. I was an assistant manager at a fast food restaurant, and I loved it, okay? That says a lot about my personality. I was an international children's minister. You cannot be a children's minister without having tons of energy. So I thrived on my energy and my just go get them and, you know, that whole energizer bunny type thing. And I am not that person anymore. I None of us will ever be the same. And here I am 10 years later, and I still feel that way. But now I'm okay with that. Because one thing is that I gained a lot of weight through this journey. Starting with the 13 months when Becca was in and out of the hospital, and after she died, I really didn't care what I ate. I didn't care what happened to me. And it has taken me all these years but I finally decided I needed to get healthy. And it's amazing to even feel like you want to be healthy and to have reasons to be healthy and to have reasons to want to live and stay here and fulfill a purpose and, and to be part of the lives of the people around me. It's an amazing thing to get to that point. And so since February, I have been on a health journey and I've lost 40 pounds. I have a few more to go. But I feel so much better, and I have a level of energy that I did not think I would ever have again. But I still don't keep myself super busy at this point, and I no longer thrive on the busyness. I take life at a much slower pace because I choose to now, not because I have to or I love thriving on that busyness. I now love to rest, and I love that slower pace of life. I don't want to get to where I was before, even though I feel like I have the energy for it now, and I could if I wanted to. I just don't want to. And this goes into when I talked about how I can feel content now. It's something that runs very deep. I'm still working at that, along with the peace that comes with it, and putting myself in a place of rest has a lot to do with that. If you remember, I talked about that place of rest not being a time and a place, but a position. But sometimes we have to start with the time and the place to be able to get ourselves into that position of being at a place of rest. And I will say contentment, believe it or not. And I find myself doing that often, the time and the place, just sitting in my yard, enjoying the birds and the chipmunks and the breeze in the trees and our, uh, our, our seasonal campsite lot because we live full-time in a motorhome. It overlooks a lake. We're way on the top of the hill and there's a bunch of trees in there and I can see the lake through the trees. And I just, I'll just go outside and sit with my coffee, with my tea, and I just sit outside and just look around and think and pray and talk to God. And just, I get in that time and place of rest. And that helps me to live from a position of rest. And, you know, just like I said in the book, I'm not there yet. I don't live from that place constantly, but it's a whole lot more than I used to. And it's a good place to be. I want to tell you, don't push yourself. Give yourself lots of grace, especially when others around you 
don't. You need rest. Just like when we've been through a, a surgery or someone has has had major injuries of some kind or, you know, a major surgery, we have to be in a place of rest. My husband had quadruple bypass surgery when he was only 48 years old. He needed a lot of rest to recover. We have had a trauma, a traumatic injury. Our heart has been shattered. Literally, there is the broken heart syndrome. Our bodies are out of whack. Our immune system's out of whack. Our chemicals in our brain are out of whack. Uh, we get sick easily. We need rest and a lot of it. And people understand when you've had like bypass surgery that you need months of rest. But for some reason, they don't understand when we've had a trauma and our child has been severed from us, amputated from us, that we need a lot of rest. You need rest. It's okay to do nothing when that's what you need to do. I give you permission, okay? I shared about my son-in-law pulling our granddaughter from our lives, and I read that today. And when people hear that, they usually ask about how things are now. And I'm happy to say that we have a really good relationship with her. She is now 19. She's done a bit of moving around the country. And the week that I'm recording this, she wanted to come for a visit. And she took a bus to come and see us and stay with us for a few days. So that relationship is restored, I'm very happy to say. And we are close with her. When I talked about how peace and pain can reside in us together... Since I wrote that, I realized how that's possible because pain is in our emotions. It's in our soul, but peace is in our spirit. It's a fruit that allows the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit that we see in Galatians 5. For fruit to grow and mature and ripen, I'm talking about the fruit we eat on a tree, it needs certain elements like water and sun. And the fruit of the Spirit needs to be cultivated as well. We need to make sure that we're doing things to cultivate the growth of the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. And so the pain is in our soul. We have peace. Each of us have peace. If we have received Jesus into our lives, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we have the seed of peace. We have the seed of hope. We have everything that we need, anything that the Holy Spirit has for us is already inside of us. And we need to nurture that seed of hope. We need to nurture that seed of peace that's in us to help it grow in us. And one thing that does this is to learn to rest in his presence. Even if you can't feel him there with you, Work on letting go of the anger, the blame, the confusion, the demanding to know why. Those questions, wanting to know why, just prolongs our agony because there's no good enough answer while we're here on this earth. And you will get stuck there. And getting stuck in the whys will keep you from going through the process of learning to rest in trusting God with the rest of your future here on earth that it can become good again and have meaning and purpose. And that is one of the huge reasons to fight for learning how to come into that place of rest. I'm going to go ahead and read that last paragraph of the chapter. Learning to rest in God is a must if you want to get out of your place of darkness. And that means spending time alone with Him. You don't even have to talk to Him. Just be with Him. 
Don't feel guilty about taking time to be intimate with the one who loves you like crazy and wants to get you out of the pit and onto the path of living again. Spend intimate time with him, lots of it. Let him show you the way out by showing you the fullness of himself. Since this is the six-year anniversary of this book, uh, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child, I decided to do something special. For anyone who orders this book directly from us through the GPS Hope website, for the rest of the month of July, we are dropping the price of what we call the Pereaver Pack. If you haven't heard it, a Pereaver is a parent who's been bereaved of their child. The root word comes from reeve, bereave, and that means our child has been ripped, seized, torn, taken from us, robbed. And that's how I felt when Becca died. And so a pereaver is a parent who's had our child torn from us. So uh, our pereaver pack is this book, uh, When Tragedy Strikes, along with another book called My Grief Journey. And we are dropping the price of those two books for only $15. Now, my grief journey is something I put together to give bereavers something active to do toward working through the grief. It has 42 words that express your grief journey, such as confusion, helpless, anger, time, future, hope, comfort, thankful. Each word has a picture that can be colored. You don't have to, along with a journaling prompt to help you get some of your thoughts out in writing. You've probably heard that you need to journal. It will help you. But a lot of times it's like, I don't know what to say. And so these journaling prompts will get you started. Let me just flip through the book and read a couple examples for you. Okay, here's the word alone. And the journaling prompt is, is there anyone who understands? You can write about that. Here's the word anxious. I worry about. Here's the word memories. And the journaling prompt says, one memory I want to hold on to. And I I wrote our final goodbye, not knowing it was giving each other the I love you sign. And Becca's last Thanksgiving that she hosted at her house with all of us. Here's the word life. And the journaling prompt says, I can honor my child's life by, uh, here's numb. The questions I keep asking are, and so you can see, it will help you write some of these things out. And there's also on the opposite page, I have written something about each word. And then at the bottom, there's a scripture verse that goes along with it. A lot of groups use these for their support groups. And it's a really good, it's a short read. So you can almost use it as as a devotional in a sense where you can Look at the word, read what's written, read the scripture verse. It's very short and easy to do. So anyway, we have made these two books available for only $15 together, and I'll sign them both before we send them out. I do want to say that the week this comes out, Dave and I are taking a few days off, and uh, we live in a motorhome, and so when we're home in the summers, our house has to go in for repairs, and so when we do that, we can't live in it while it's in the shop, and so we go somewhere and just take a few days off. So uh, if you order these books, they probably won't get to you until the following week when we get back. We could get back to our house and the books and ship them out to you, just letting you know. And also to let you know, we have a children's version available of this My Grief Journey, which is actually my top selling book. I have seven books out and the My Grief Journey for Kids is the number one selling book. 
and it has uh, not quite 42 words, but they're the same words. The pictures are a little simplified. We did add one word for kids because a lot of times they have beliefs about something in what happened that aren't true. And so we, there's a word in there that uh, I think truth is the word so that you can talk with them and maybe find out something. Like, for instance, Becca, when she died, her daughter went hysterical when it was time to go from the funeral home to the cemetery. And so we said, you don't have to go. And so we sent her back to, to my house with uh, someone she was used to babysitting her over the years. We found out later that she asked, did they take mom's clothes off before they dumped her out of the box? No wonder the girl was hysterical if she thought that's what was going to happen. So anyway, there is a, a, a book can be done uh, for children. You can do them side by side if, you know, with the sibling loss, but the children's book is good for any uh, trauma that a child is going through, any kind of loss. So anyway, that's there too. Just go to gpshope.org slash store and click on the tab for books, books and CDs. There will also be a link to it in the show notes. And also, I will put a link to each of these three books in the show notes. There's a, a page, a website page on each book. And so I'll put a link to those in the show notes so that you can find out a little bit more about them if you want to. If you have read the book, When Tragedy Strikes, and you've been helped by it, or maybe you have either of the My Grief Journey books, would you please go to where you purchased it and give it a rating and just write a simple review for it. It won't take you any more than three to five minutes. And it is a way that you can be a grieving parent sharing hope, which is what GPS Hope stands for, Grieving Parents Sharing Hope. By helping other bereavers looking for help and hope, they'll be able to find and select these books based on what you have rated and what you have said about it. I would really like to get some current reviews, and I would greatly appreciate you helping me and other bereaved parents out there in uh, such a simple but an important way. Let's go ahead to our birthdays this week, and we have quite a few. Stephanie Waters was born on July 10th and left us at age 21. Ethan Barkley Weberpaul was born on July 10th and he left at age 18. Charlie Rhodes was born on July 10th and left us at age 9. Eviardo Martinez, also called Heavy Evie, was born on July 11th, and he left us at age 19. Clifford Patrick Keenan Jr. was born on July 11th, and he left us at age 24. Norma Gomez was born on July 11th, and she left us at age 12. Eric Breslau was born on July 11th, and he left us at age 25. Hagen Jones was born on July 12th, and he left us at age 20. Abby Sherwood was born on July 15th, and she left this world at age 18. Evelyn Grace McQuarrie was born on July 16th, and she left us when she was born. Madeline Youngdahl was born on July 16th, and she left us when she was 14. Jack Cream was born on July 16th, and he left us at age 18. 
We remember with these families the day each and every one of these children came into this world. It's a day we will always remember. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would be honored to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org birthdays. Fill out the form, including the pronunciation, and I would like to say thank you to those who filled that part out today, which all of you did. It helps me to say it correctly, which I really want to do. Just hit the submit button, and I will announce your child's birthday on the week he or she was born. We'll also send you a reminder email to make sure you hear it that week. It seems like everything in life is a process, doesn't it? We live in a society that has so many things instantly and easily. Microwaves for our food. We order our groceries and either go have them loaded in our car for us or delivered to our home. Information on the internet is instant and easy. Even our phones, we can walk around with instant access to anything anywhere in the world. We don't like things that take time or things that are not easy. But that's the reality of life. Things like relationships and learning how to manage our emotions are a process that takes time. And so is learning how to rest in God when our lives are so shattered and we're so confused or angry. I want to ask you, where is a time and place that you can go to that will help you get to that place of rest? There are times I sit and cry still. It will never not happen, and that's okay. Like I said, we have to work to get into that place of rest, but it is so worth it. And as you fight to come into that place of rest, and as you learn the process and you get better at it, whether it's a struggle right now, wherever you are in this journey, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is 